Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. How are you guys today? Yeah. You guys look great. You look so good. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you're a guest with us today, I just can't tell you what an honor it is to have you guys. Every time somebody comes and checks us out, and maybe you're here because your wife or your husband or your grandmother pressured you, or you just came to check us out. Whatever the case, you're welcome here, and we're so, so glad you're here. Can we give a big hand to all of our guests, everybody, would you? Yeah. And we love all of you who are worshiping online with us this morning. I know there's a bunch of you out there who are gathered on a TV or a computer right now. And you guys are part of our family. And it's not just here in San Antonio, but we find that oh, during the course of this next week, uh, people from 33 countries will access this, these messages, these, this worship stuff. So uh, welcome to you guys. Can you guys give them a big hand, would you? Thank you for joining us. Um, last year, in, on February the 16th, we opened this new facility. This is our kids' building. It will be the future home of our kids' building. Uh, we'll convert it to there, and we'll build a, a, an auditorium just across the way, God willing. Um, but three, oh, sorry, four, on the fourth Sunday after we opened, we had to close it down uh, for, I don't know, four and a half, five, six months, whatever it was. It felt like an eternity, um, especially if you knew how hard it was to build this building. Um, it felt like a long time. And so we were going to do a grand opening. We were going to do a church dedication, all the good stuff that churches get to do when they build a new facility. We didn't get to do any of that. So we decided today we we're just throwing LifePoint a party. And uh, we we're just going to have a party for ourselves. So it's like a, it's like a grand opening party uh, where you get snow cones and free merch. Uh, so, yeah, we're so glad you came, though. Thank you for being here. We're in this series called How to Neighbor. And uh, this, this series for me re- represents just God working in my own heart. Um, for those of you who are new here, um, I might say anything today. I just, uh, I just got to tell you that I, there, anything could come out of my mouth. Um, I have, I don't know, I have an issue. Okay, anyways, an issue of words. Um, but, 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 but one thing I know about this series is that it's just, it's just, it's just time to just change some things in our world, in our country, in, in our cities, in our communities. Uh, just the, the tone of the way that people disagree with each other, the way that people cannot get along, the way that you can't disagree without being disagreeable. Um, I just think that there's got to be some people who go, enough already. Enough of the hatred and the mean and, and the anger and the volatility um, and, and, and I didn't get one amen, so I'm hoping that that doesn't mean that you don't agree with me. But, but we're going to just talk about that, uh, how to neighbor. And if you missed last week, we're just going through one of the parables of Jesus, his, probably his most famous parable, certainly one of them, um, maybe next to the, the parable of the, the, the lost son or the prodigal son. He call, we call this the parable of the good Samaritan, and most people have heard of this. Um, because it's actually language in our culture today. We have the Good Samaritan Law where people help each other. And, 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 and let me just recap a few of the big thoughts from last week in case you missed. First of all, the idea behind parables is th- this was a teaching mechanism that Jesus often used, not just him, other rabbis would use it. It was used historically in the Jewish culture um, to make a point, to, to make something clear. 
Um, so what he does by telling a story is he's teaching a lesson, a large lesson, that is often multidimensional, meaning it's not just what it says, it means more. There's other things that are embedded there. And it's to cause us, as the listeners or his audience in those days, to identify with the story, but also to identify maybe with one of the characters. Like in most of the parables, when you read through the Gospels, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that one of the characters is probably God, um, and one of the characters is, is you. Um, not, not always, but a lot of the times that's how it breaks down so that we say, okay, what's my part in this story? And then most importantly, what's my response to the story? So the idea would be, well, the listeners to the story, will they go into action? Will they feel the tension of the story? And they will say, uh, I got to do something. Or will they just go, yeah, whatever. That's just another good story. And they turn around and keep going. And we'd see this happen. Both of these things would happen all throughout Jesus' ministry. Some people go, I'm following this guy. He's got the words of life, the words of hope. John 6, who else will we go to, the disciples say. He's like, are you guys going to leave me too, Jesus says. And they're like, who else are we going to go to? You're the one that has the words of life. And so they would follow him, and others would go, ah, not for me. And they would turn and go the other way. So Jesus gets confronted by a religious expert who is a, an expert in the law, and not, not legal law, but the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses. And in response to the question that, Jesus, that this expert gives to Jesus, hey, teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? Now, he's not asking this because he doesn't know the answer. He just wants to see what Jesus' answer is. He's testing him, the Bible says. And so Jesus says, hey, why don't you tell me? What, what do you think it says? What do you think it means? And he's like, okay, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Four things. You love, that's, that's part one. Part two, you love your neighbor as much as yourself. And Jesus says, correct answer. Good job. Do that and you'll live. But then it says that the religious expert wanted to justify himself. In other words, he wanted to set some boundaries around this idea of neighbor. Like he's, he, he feels like I've got this part about loving God. I got that down to a pat, but... Like, who is my neighbor? He wants to justify himself. And really what he wants to do is he wants to shrink down the pool of people that he has to be kind to, that he has to be neighborly to, right? And we all do this. We all do this. Like, like who is it okay for me not to treat that well? To talk bad about, to slander, to libel, to cancel. That's a new one in our culture now, right? Whatever my options are, I, I, who, who can I justifiably, like, who can I justify treating bad? That's what he's asking. You with me? That's what he's asking Jesus. And of course, there are all these debates in, in the times of Jesus about, amongst the religious experts about who their neighbors were. Who, who can we push out and say, they're not neighbors? And so they would say, pagans, anybody who doesn't worship the living God, like they're, they're not our neighbors. Certainly not the Romans because they've come and occupied us and taken us and kicked us out of our homes and we have to carry their stuff for them. They mistreat us. And certainly not the tax collectors, right? Because these, these tax collectors, like we don't like the tax collectors in our day, right? Right? If you're a tax collector, we just don't know you yet. We'll, we'll, we'll come to love you some, some, someday um, for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't love them, and, and they, didn't, they certainly did not love a Samaritan. Um, we said last week the Samaritans were at the bottom of any of their lists. Um, the Samaritans were people who, who had Jewish blood in their veins, but who had assimilated with the Assyrians when they had conquered the area. This was centuries before, and there was a division between them uh, religiously and in all sorts of other ways that just had not been overcome 
even in Jesus' time. And so Jesus launches into this story um, uh, uh, to confront that kind of thinking about justifying who your neighbor is. In other words, mm, everybody is your neighbor. And in particular, the, word, the Hebrew word for neighbor is near to. So for us, that would be your actual neighbors. Remember those people, right? Remember we used to talk to each other back in the day? Remember we used to bring brownies over and like, like take a pink gum cigar over when they had a baby or a blue gum cigar, right? Or a real cigar, but it's, you bought it at the hospital. It couldn't possibly be any good. Can I get an amen on that, right? Making a burnt offering before the Lord. Uh, anyways, just making stuff up as I go along here. Um, so here's, here's, the, here's the story. A traveler is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We told you it's three quarters of a mile of elevation, just straight up elevation. 20 miles, 33 kilometers. It's a long, probably day and a half journey. Uh, narrow road, I showed it to you last week. Some bad guys are there. Bad guys do what bad guys do. They rob this guy and Jesus says they leave him half dead. That's an important notion because it affects how the next people who see him, the, the good guys, right? The good guys are the priest and the Levite, right? They're the religious people who are listening in on this story. And what do the good guys do? They show help and compassion, right? No, right? The priest and the Levite, the good guys, they just literally have to, the road was narrow, remember? They have to step over him and, and they do nothing to help him. And they've justified this. And he's striking at the heart of this religious guy who's justifying why he can leave certain people out. So that's why this story goes. And then we meet this other bad guy, right? For the Jewish mind, the audience is Jewish. Uh, it's a Samaritan, right? Bad guy, right? To them. And what does the, the Samaritan do? The Samaritan actually goes out of his way uh, using his own money, his own resources to help the injured man. So see, here's the takeaway. The priest and the Levite, they're treating a neighbor like a stranger, but the Samaritan is treating a stranger like a neighbor, and that makes all the difference in the world. That's it right there. That's the nutshell of Jesus' story. So, so the Samaritan takes care of, of this man, and what we said last week is he just did what he could do with what he had. Nothing more, nothing less. He just, what, did he, what do I have? What can I do with it? And then he couldn't fix the larger societal problems between the Jews and the Samaritans. It had been happening for centuries. He couldn't fix the problems on the road to Jericho. This was a real bad problem. It's like the traffic on Calabria. Anybody got a solution? No. What could you do while you're there? You could be nice. That's a word to Danny. That's a sermon for Danny right there, right? He couldn't help every person who had ever been beaten up on the road to Jericho. That's so many people. So he just did for one what he wished he could do for all. He, he worked what he had, and then he just did for one what he wished he could do for all. He just rolled up his sleeves and did something. And, and then we finish by telling you that Paul rolls up into Greece, in, in Athens, Greece. Um, Paul's the apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he goes up to a place called Mars Hill. There is a building there called the Areopagus and they would have philosophers there who would share the latest and greatest ideas. That was the whole point of this place, to share the latest, greatest ideas. And so Paul preaches one of the great messages in all time. But what he lets them know is that it's that God, he says there's a row of idols at the end is the unknown God. I want to tell you about that God. That God is the one who set the boundaries of, 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 of all of the nations and all of the human beings that ever lived. God decided, so, so, God decide where and when you live in the history of the world. God decided that, right? That house you live in, the neighbors that you have, God determined that. The, the neighborhood that you have, God did that. You're like, no, 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 I picked that house. God had a hand in it, trust me, 
So in between the first and the, the second, this gathering, a lady met me out before. I'd never met her before. And she said, 10 years ago, I had a neighbor named Leslie. Leslie, wave at us in the back back there. 10 years ago, this was before, more than 10 years ago, Leslie, you, you weren't even yet married. So that's what she told me. And she said, we lived in El Paso and we lived next to the Vaughns, which was Le- Leslie's former name. And, and she said, those people had such a profound impact on my life that when we moved to San Antonio, however many years, 20 years, I don't know however many years, 20 years later, she said, I, I found out that Leslie lived there and I started coming to LifePoint because I knew Leslie was there because she, her family impacted our lives so dramatically. She goes, we kind of walked away from God for a time, but we came back because of Leslie. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, little Leslie. Her family made such an impact on them. Don't tell me God didn't have something to do with that. He did, so that's what we said last week. So God did this, he says, Paul says, so that, that by you being there in your neighborhood, maybe the people who don't know Jesus will come to know him in part because of the kind of life you live. Because you, you know how to neighbor. That's the you part. Today I want to talk about the we part. So, so we're caught up. Now, now let's go back to the text. Here it is. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, the other two saw him as well, he took pity. This is compassion. He felt it in his gut. It's visceral. Like when you go down the road and you see a horrible accident, you go, oh, there's something that happens in your gut. Everybody with me on this? Like you see that. You don't even have to know him, but something happens. That's what that word means, from the gut, visceral. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He just had, that's what he had on him. That's what he used to clean out the wound. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Okay, next verse. The next day. So the way my mind's always worked is he dropped him off at the inn and kept going. No, no, no. He had this man in his room making sure that this guy was okay, that he was, that he was taking care of. All night long he does this. The next day he took out two denarii or denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So... Next verse, which of these, Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? This is how to neighbor. This is a story about how to neighbor. Are you with me? Which, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one, he can't even say Samaritan. He won't even say it. It'd be easy to say, well, of course it was the Samaritan. Now he says, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, say this with me now, go and do likewise. There's that hook. What's the response going to be? Religious expert, are you going to run out now and start to be a neighbor to everybody? Probably he wasn't, right? But this is the hook. Now, there's a story, there's a character in this story that we, we don't think about. We think about the, the priest, the Levite. We think about the man who gets beat up. We think about the Samaritan. But there's another man. There's the innkeeper. He doesn't get a lot of play in most people's sermons about this text. But... He takes him, the Samaritan does what he can, but then he takes him to an inn where there is an, an innkeeper who is there ostensibly to take care of guests who come through the area, right? And in this case, um, when we meet people in our lives who are hurting and wounded and struggling with the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups of life, our inn would be someplace like this. The church. So, for the purposes of today, this is the inn at 8098. 
We are 8098 FM 1560, y'all, just FYI. This is the inn. Like, I don't know uh, if you guys have ever stayed at an inn, but in Santa Fe, we like to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico. They have a lot of hotels there with the name Inn. They have the Inn and Spa at Loretto. They have the Inn of the Governors. They have the Inn of the Five Graces. They have the Inn of the Anastasi. They have the Inn of the, the, uh, uh, they have the, inn of the Turquoise Bear, right? And just know this, if it says Inn on it, it's costing a lot more, just FYI. Like you wanna go, if, if you're gonna go to Santa Fe, I recommend it highly. Stay at the motel of something, the motel of the governors, the hotel of the, of the poor or the little sisters of mercy. Stay there. We are the inn at 8098. You with me? What I'd like to do for the rest of our time, this day that we're celebrating what God has been doing for us here, through us here at LifePoint, is to think about that inn today, that the inn was a place that the Samaritan man knew about. By the way, that inn still is there. It's still there. All these years later, it's not an inn anymore. It's now a museum uh, to all of the various places that have, a, have taken, it was taken over by various factions and armies and groups and nationalities, but it's still there. Is that mind-blowing? The inn's still right there on that same path, um, it, which is, I'd love to go see that because that's blowing my mind right now. The, the inn was a place that the Samaritan knew he could take a broken, wounded person, and by taking him there, the innkeeper would do his very best to care for the guy until he recovered. Think about this for a moment, and yeah, I know my brain works weird. Those of you who have been here for a while, you know that. I don't, just, but just go with me on this. Jesus makes up a story, and he's talking to a Jewish audience at this point. He uses a road that the Jewish people took to go up to the temple from Jericho. They would take this road up to the temple. They'd have to do this annually, and sometimes they would do it more often, depending on what was going on. And, 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 and he knows that Jews and, and Samaritans don't go into each other's territories. As a matter of fact, I told you last week, Jesus goes into Samaria. He goes in there. Uh, his disciples are not happy. As a matter of fact, when John's telling the story of his interaction with the Samaritans, he says, Jews did not go where Jesus went. He puts that in parentheses. So they don't do this. But this road is firmly in Jewish territory uh, that the Samaritan is walking on in Jesus' story. And guess what? So is the inn. So this probably would not be a very Samaritan-friendly inn at all. And yet in Jesus' story, this is an inn where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. And with Jesus, because it's his story, anything is possible. Yes? So bring it to our day. Last week it was about us as individuals. Today I want to talk about us as a church. What is our part of the story? I told you what your part was and my part was individually last week. What's our part? Those of you who would say LifePoint is my home, what's our part in the story? Our story is to create, is to set a table, to create a, a, an inn where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect and with Jesus, anything is possible. That's the story, right? That's, that's, that's our part. So you, you and I, let's talk about this. You and I, we can't fix anybody, Right? We can't change anybody's heart, yes or no. Right? You're like, I've been trying to change my husband's heart. Good luck with that. I've been trying to change my wife's, you're not gonna. Right? Right? We can't save anybody, and good news is Jesus doesn't ask us to. Amen? That's his job. He's the savior of the world. It's his kingdom that he's ushering in, that he's brought to light. That's great news, takes the pressure off of you and I. But what if you and I were to look at what happens here 
at, at LifePoint on this campus here and our online campus out there, all that goes into this and see this place as an inn, that this inn has a table that's been set. So like the psalmist says, so that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. So that people can come and sit down at the table and, and they can sit and, and, and get a meal of, God's, of worship unto God or a message or of coffee or of kindness or of whatever it is and then have a conversation with God and then they decide with no pressure from us, no compulsion from us that, that they'll decide what to do next with their conversation with God. Because listen, listen, listen. The end, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not my end. Right? It's not your inn. This is God's house. This is God's inn. It's not even up to us to do anything other than create a space where God can... It's about Jesus, everybody. Amen? It's about Jesus and what he can do in the heart and lives of people that we could never do. But we have a part two, which is to create a space where people can come in and have that conversation. So if this is an inn, then those of you who call LifePoint home, you're an innkeeper. Can you track with me on this one? Can you just go, I don't know about ends. That's okay. We're just, it's just church today. But it's the end. Come on, it's the end at 8098. I feel like there's a shirt coming, a hoodie, a hoodie coming in, in the merch shop right here. So the healing that you've received from Jesus, I feel like that it's both a gift and it's both a little bit of a weight. But what I mean that by that, it's a weight of making sure that other people can experience the same healing and help that either you got here or some other place along your journey, right? So we come in here, we set the table, we make sure the space is great, people come in, he restores the heart, he restores the soul, we just make sure it's clean, smells nice, and we're warm and friendly to every person regardless of who they are. Now, I don't know much about inns. I've stayed in a few in Santa Fe. Most of the ones that I mentioned, I could never afford in 100,000 lifetimes, so I just stay at the cheap one, Inn of the Governor's. If you want to go to Santa Fe, stay at the Inn of the Governors. They have a great breakfast. It's free. It's the only place where there is freeness. All right. But, but I'm guessing, just go with me here. I'm guessing that when you go to one of those fancy inns, there's all kind of people they have working there that specialize in all sorts of things. You got to have somebody at the front to welcome the guests. And how many of you have been to a place where the person at the front shouldn't be welcoming the guests? Brother don't know how to smile. Sister didn't brush her teeth. Why are you so angry? Why, why do you look like that? Come on, have you been to a place and you're like, you need a different job backstage, behind the scenes, right? But you want somebody up front who's just warm and inviting and welcoming. Got to have somebody at the end to help people deal with their baggage, right? Because you come to an end with bags, you come with baggage, right? You gotta have somebody to make some food, right? And praise God if it's the person who actually knows how to cook. Because I've been to some inns where it's like, this is food? Come on, come on. No wonder it was that cheap on hotels.com, right? Someone to make sure the rooms are clean. Somebody to make sure the place is safe. Because you don't want to go to a hotel where in, in the reviews, man, I got kidnapped from this place, right? <laughs> They lost me for like seven days before they, they found me again. I don't want to stay at that hotel. Can I get a word from anybody here? 
Like I need some place where they're going to keep me safe. I don't want a place where I let my kids go in the swimming pool, but the water's so dirty I can't see them when they dive. Some of y'all's pools look like that right now. Come on. They're expensive to keep up, right? All of you guys that bought pools during the pandemic, you're like, man, that's cost a lot of money. Before, during, after, somebody's going to come put some dirt in it when I leave to make sure. Anyways, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, somebody's got to bring. So, so a nice inn has people bringing their skills, their gifts, their talents, their abilities to the table to make sure that it's an invited space. And I think it's a great metaphor for what happens around here. So many people just doing what they know how to do so that the table is set. So when people come in, they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, why, Danny? Why do we need to do this? What's the point? Right? Can't you just be the guy that does that? I mean, aren't you the pastor? Can't you do that? Yeah, I can, and I do. I do my best. But do you remember the first part of the parable where Jesus asks the religious expert what were the great commands? Remember, love God and love your neighbor. Remember that? Well, Jesus would go along in John 13, and he would say this in John 13, 34. He says, a new command. So you've heard the big two, but a new command I'm going to give you. Love one another, how? As I have loved you, so you, what? Must, that's the command part. You must love one another. Like this is not an optional deal. It feels like Jesus should say, um, love, a new command I give you, as I have loved you, so you should love me. Right, wouldn't that be how it works in our world? Like, I did so much for you, why don't you just do something back for me. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I want you to love one another. That's how it works. Can I just tell you about me for a moment? Um, Can I tell you about how many times Jesus has come to my rescue? Not, not Not when I first got saved, that he picked me up out of the mire, the old song says, that the miry clay set my feet on a rock. Not, not just then, but how many times during the course of my life, I'm 49, I'll be maybe 50 in about a month and a half, right? So I guess that means that I start getting AARP or whatever, you know. I, they're already sending it to me, so I feel like it's coming. Um, anyways, but how many times that I've been beaten alongside the road? Wounded. Wounded by my own mistakes, my own pride, my own selfishness, or by the selfishness and the pride and the mistakes of other people. Can I tell you how many times Jesus has come to where I was and picked me up in grace and mercy and love and, and, and poured in the oil and the wine and, and brought healing to my life? Not just, not just in the beginning, but all the way through my life. Not like Maybe there are those of you who've lived a life without pain, but there are some here listening today who knows what it feels like to be broken and wounded and left behind, but then Jesus came and picked you up. And he says, in light of what I've done for you, in light of what I've done for you, I want you to go and give that kind of love, that kind of help to somebody else. This is, I'm not asking you to save them. I'm not asking you to heal their broken places. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to love them the way I loved you in those moments when you needed me most. Would you be the hands of feet of Jesus? Would you do that? Yeah, but Danny, what can I do at the end? What can I bring to the table at the end? Well, I think one of the ways we do that is that we make sure we're an inn where anybody can come regardless of their backgrounds or their politics or their history or their story or whatever they have and find help and healing and hope. 
that we make sure we get all of the barriers out of way. Because I've been in part of churches that had so many barriers in the way to people coming in to find Jesus. It's like, oh, you got to do all these things, and you got to go through this thing, and you got to go to that class, and you got to do this thing, and there's all these barriers to finding Jesus. So, so what we want to do is just get those barriers out of the way so people can just come meet Jesus. So what do I bring to the table? Let's go into that. Jesus tells his disciples one day, he does it in various ways through stories, through illustrations, but one day he's like, bottom line, fellas, is I'm going to leave here. They're going to take me, they're going to crucify me on the third day, I'm going to rise up, and, 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 and I'm going to leave you guys, but, and you're going to go to the ends of the earth telling people the good news of the things that I've said, the things that I've done, I've done. the things you saw me do, you're going to go to the ends of the earth telling people about that, and they're like, whoa, no, wait a minute, what? Why, you can't leave? We're just getting started. And he says, listen, good news is I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless is the way the Bible puts it. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So this is Jesus, Acts 1 and 8. This is the risen Jesus now. He's, he's crucified. He's back up. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my innkeepers in Jerusalem, that's the hometown, and in all Judea, that's the big state, the, the, the nation. And, and even in Samaria, the places you thought you would never go, you're going to go there. And, and to the ends of the earth. And so he says, you're going to receive power when you become a believer. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses, to tell your God story to other people. And, and, and you are, and you are, and you are. And so, so Peter, one of the disciples, the very next day, Acts chapter 2, he gets up. He's fired up by the Holy Spirit. The, the Acts uh, Chapter two, verse four, it says, tongues of fire came upon them. It was a rushing, like a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting and it was just power, right? So, so that's, you can read that in Acts chapter two. And then at, towards, the, towards the middle of Acts chapter two, Peter stands up in front of a huge crowd of people that are there in the temple. They've come from Jericho. They've come from all these places to, to, for the Passover. All these pa people from all over the world, they're, they're there. And, and he stands up in front of them and says, hey, you guys, you guys killed Jesus. How many of you know that's not a way to start a sermon, right? You did it. You conspired with some other people. You guys killed Jesus. And he goes on and preaches a powerful message, what Jesus is, who Jesus is, uh, uh, what, what he does. Come taste and see that the Lord is good to the point. At the end of the message where somebody yells out, well, what do we do? Somebody yells out in his message. Probably don't do that. But anyways, what do we do? Like, like. We feel sad about what we did. What do we do now? So, Jesus, so Peter says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, now let's just break this down for a minute. Repent, what does that mean? Well, religious people have jacked this up. It just means to rethink your life so that when you come and you bump into Jesus and you see what Jesus has done, which is what Peter is telling them, this is what he's done. I need to change my direction and you turn. You turn. It's like a 180. You turn. I was going this way and, and I see what Jesus has done. I turn. And then what do they do after they turn? They get baptized. 3,000 people get baptized after Peter preaches this message. Imagine the line waiting to get baptized for that day. Come on. That's a long line. 
3,000 people. And, and, and by the way, this is one of the many reasons we do baptisms around here. Uh, the, the, this, is, this is one of the ways that we do it is that peop, it, it symbolizes that Jesus has forgiven our sins, washed our sins away, and he gives us new life. So we go down and we come up into newness of life. We've put on our Jesus jersey because he, he, he clothes us in Christ, the Bible says. He takes the old, he makes us new. The water isn't holy though. Come on, y'all. It came out of the hose right over there, Right? But it's what, it's what, you're like, it does? I thought y'all like prayed over it. No, no, we just pour it in the thing, man. And then we dunk you in it. It's awesome. Come on, if you've been baptized, I'm, it's awesome. Like you're scared and then you come up and you're like, oh, yes. You don't even mean to. Some of you are not hand raisers. You're like, why are these people raising their hands? But when you get baptized, like, yes, come on. Because something happens on the inside of you, right? But don't miss this. Peter says, then you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he begins to live inside of you, you're gonna receive gifts and these gifts allow you, listen now, they allow you to do on your own what you've never, they allow you to do what you've never been able to do on your own before. So, like I have no time. But let me tell you, what, what the Spirit does is he plants a seed inside of your life that begins over time to bear fruit called the fruit of the Spirit, Right? which helps you to do what you could never have done on your own. Because without, without the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit in your life, you would be just like the priest and the Levite. You would step over your hurting, broken neighbor. But when these come into your life, here, here's what they are. Here's what they are. Galatians 5. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is, say this, love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Could our world use some of that right now? Yes or no? Could you use some of that right now? On your own, you're gonna get sucked into culture wars and political infighting and gossip and yelling at people that, that think differently than you. On your own, you're gonna be the kind of innkeeper who can't say everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome except everybody's, everybody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, but, but, but we don't, like this kind of person, and, and with Jesus, anything's possible. You're going to want to try to change them for yourself and let, instead of letting God do what God does. In Keepers, we create space for people to let God do what God does. And we love and we protect and we care for and we take care of their kids and we help them park their cars and we, we get them coffee and hopefully it tastes good. And if it's not, we get rid of it and get a new kind of coffee. Come on, we're about coffee here, man. This is a, it's, the, it's, it's the nectar of, of, of people who are going to heaven. It's the nectar. <laughs> can I just say this? You can stand for truth and not be a jerk. You can, you can be, you can stand for what you believe in and not treat people like they're morons. Maybe that's the next sermon next week. Um. <laughs> he doesn't just give us the fruit of the Spirit, though. He gives us gifts of the Spirit. And Paul has these lists in Ephesians and in Romans where there are the lists, and I don't have all of them here in front of me, but, but he gives us gifts of the Spirit, which are supernatural enablements. Meaning, like, like sometimes you'll teach things to somebody and you'll be like, I didn't even know I knew that. You ever been counseling with somebody you didn't mean to counsel them, you just thought you were getting a coffee and they're like, girl, I gotta tell you, right? And you're like, oh, no. I, 
but all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth and you're like, that was really good. <laughs> Gift of the Spirit. Yes, I'm telling you, you didn't come up with it. You're like, I'm awesome. No, you're not. Gift of the Spirit. <laughs> you are awesome, but not like that, right? Teaching and preaching and gifts of hospitality. Some people are just gifted at making people feel welcome. Yes or no? right? And, and leadership and gifts of understanding. There, there is gifts of wisdom and discernment and gifts of knowledge. These are all in the Bible. It's the gift of understanding what's really going on in people's hearts and li lives, not what they tell you is going on. God will give you. Sometimes when people will say to me, bro, it's like you knew exactly what was going on in my house. I didn't, but God did. And he used me to tell you what was going on in your house, but I didn't even know. It's not about me. Come on, it's not about me. It's about what God does in the hearts and lives of people. All of these gifts of discernment to see through the masks that people put on and supernatural gifts that enable you to do what you could never be able to do on your own. By the way, Growth Track, which we do the first Sunday of every month, we do one of these spiritual gifts tests to help you figure out what that is. All that stuff is going on inside of our church right now. For the, the inn at 8098 to function well, it, we need everybody's gifts that God's given them, all of them. We need them all working together for good to, to help people, to neighbor with people. That's what our response is. So, so two questions. What have I been, been given? What have you been given? More than you know. You have the, the gift of experience, the life that you've lived, that nobody else has lived your life like you have. You have all the stories that you know, that you've heard, that you've experienced. You have the pain of your life that has deepened you. The love of others um, has come through God, through you, to help other people. Like, can you love your enemies on your own? Can you, can you love, can you do good to those who hurt you and persecute you? Jesus said we have to do this, to love our enemies, to do good to those who hurt us. Can you do that on your own? No, but you can because of the Spirit's gift. He pours it out. Like, remember Psalm 23? I, I'm at a table in the presence of my enemies. He's given me oil to, to anoint my face, to, to take the dryness off my face, but he pours a cup to overflowing. That's what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is a gift that come on you that overflow out of you to other people around you. And Jesus said in John uh, 7, 38, it's like rivers of living water flowing outside of you. And it's touching people around you. And you're different than people around you, not because you're better than, not because you're better than, but because somebody goes, what is different about you? If I'm an innkeeper and I realize that God's given me gifts and I bring them to the table, so what have I been given? Second question, what will I do with what I've been given? Can, can I tell you this? I don't mean to scare you. Every one of you, you may not believe this, but it's true. Every one of you online, everybody who will ever listen or watch this, you're going to stand before God one day. There are two judgments in the Bible, two judgments, and I know that sounds scary, but you don't need to be afraid if you're a follower of Jesus. You only need to be afraid of the judgments if you have not bowed the knee to Jesus. The first, the first test, the first judgment is, what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with the cross? What, did you, what was your response when you heard the news that Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you? What did you do with that? Second question, great white throne judgment. The second judgment is, is it's really a reward. It's a bad word to use, it, call it a judgment. But it, it will be, what did you do with what I gave you? Listen, listen. One day, you and I, me, you, we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts and the talents and the finances and the resources and the spiritual gifts and the spiritual promptings and the stories that I gave you? All of that life experience that you had, what did you do with it? 
And you want to be able to say, I did the best I could with what you gave me, God. I, I did what I had with what I could, and I did for one what I wish I could do for everybody. You want to be able to say that, because then he's going to say to you, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, I know that you are all probably a little bit like me and you need affirmation, but there is no affirmation in heaven on earth like the words coming from Jesus himself. Well done, good and faithful servant. Why would I do this? Because you're gifted. Because you've been spiritually enabled. You have the gifts of the Spirit. You have the fruit of the Spirit. And if when we, bring all, when we all bring them to the table, we can make such a difference. This is why I love LifePoint. The inn on 8098 is the perfect place for imperfect people, people like me, people like you, who say yes to God, who say, God, put me on the, in the game, put me on the team. I want to make a difference with my time, with my talents, with my treasure. God, whatever it is that I have, I want to make a difference. So that, so that, so that. Within five mile radius of this building right here, five miles around, 330,000 people. That's the size of Corpus Christi, Texas. By 2040, this area will grow by another 300,000 people. You're welcome for the traffic that's coming. <laughs> this little area from Bandera Road to Petranco, Corpus Christi is going to get dumped on us. Some of you are like, what's Corpus Christi? It's a town. Okay. It's right over there. 150 miles right over there. There's a beach there-ish. There's water. There's fish in it. Sharks. Those people around us, the good news is we have partners. There's so many good churches around here, you guys. If you're a visitor today with us, we would love it if you'd come here. But if you don't like this church for whatever reason, please go try some of these other churches. There's so many good churches here where people are doing their best and we're partnering together. This isn't the kind of place, this side of town, I don't know about the other sides of town, we're arm in arm, man. These pastors around here, we're, we're eating lunch together. We're talking it up together. We're helping each other out. So, so, so like, like, go find a place. Go find an inn where you can become an innkeeper because listen, 330,000, that was as of 2012. That was the last date I could find. So imagine what it is now. Thousands and thousands of people who are, gonna, who are gonna fall prey to something happening in their life where they're gonna get wounded and beat up by life and they're gonna need somebody to come along and not step over them. Come on, somebody. Not step over them. Be kind and gracious and compassionate and use the gifts and talents. Take them to the end. If that's here, awesome. If it's somewhere else, awesome. Wherever there is hope, wherever there is healing, wherever there is help, come on, say that. Hope, healing, help. That's what we serve up here at this end. Not what we do, what we talk about Jesus. That's what he does. People are counting on us to get our act together. People are counting on us to get on a team. So, so we would say, out of the overflow of what Jesus has done for me, I want to serve, I want to give, I want to help. I want to serve, I want to give, I want to help so that somebody can taste and see that the Lord is good. I got so many other things to say, can't say them, can't say them. But I want to pray for you to respond. I'm looking around this room real quick. 
Got uh, three ushers right over there. Look at them right there. Look how steadily those three fellows are right there. Come on. They're all married. Stay off of them. Got prayer partners wave at us right over here. Prayer partners here. Prayer partners over there. Got, got production and camera operators there. there. There's literally probably 150 people that have worked hundreds and hundreds of man hours to make this one thing happen. What? Really? I just thought y'all just showed up. You guys show up. <laughs> just folk doing this. And listen, there's more people coming. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. So we're, we're actually changing the service times because look around you real quick. There's no more room in the inn, right? There's people sitting out there every, like you guys don't know it because you're in here right now. There's people sitting out there right now because they couldn't fit in. We don't want to jam too many people in this one room. Yeah, we got a little something going on, y'all. Know what I'm saying? So we're going to change our service times next Sunday, 9, 10, 30, and 12. So if you come next week at 10, we're going to put you to work for those 30 minutes that you're early. We got to create room in this space right here. This, this gathering and the third gathering, the first gathering, we, we were like, if we bumped it up to nine, could the people get up a little bit earlier and go to that gathering? And then when this doesn't work, because it won't either, but I'm asking you to help me, we're going to add a Saturday and we're going to have Saturday night church as well. And we'll do that here too. So we'll just do all of it. And, and then, and then, and then inevitably we're going to have some of you guys go with us to a new location down the road. Uh, next year, God willing, we're going to go to a new location down the road, and we're going to ask some of you to help us start something brand new there. And, and it'll be the same exact thing. It'll be life point. We're going to go do it all the same way, but, but we're just going to keep making room at the end so that people who want to know Jesus can taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the, that's the mission. That's, that's, the, that's the plan of God. That's what we're about. So I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to get out of the way. Lord, <clears throat> Thank you so, so very much um, for this incredible story, God, that you, you crafted to teach a lesson that is teaching us all these years later about what it looks like to neighbor. And God, what it looks like to neighbor at LifePoint is that we don't make church just about us who are already churched, who are already saved, but that we keep doing everything we can to make LifePoint a place where wherever you're at and whatever you're, you're your, your part is on the journey, whether you believe in God or whether you don't believe in God, and we know there are people here right now who don't, they're welcome. They're welcome to explore. They're welcome to kick the tires of faith. God, they are welcome here. Every, the people who are curious, the people who are skeptical, the people who are defiant, they're welcome here. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. But with you, Jesus, we believe this wholeheartedly. Anything's possible. I'm praying for folks who will see this like an inn where people who are hurting and broken broken by the hurts, habits, hang-ups of life will find healing, help, and hope in Jesus' name. Would you help us, God, to get a heart of the shepherd, to get a heart of the Samaritan, to get a, the heart of the innkeeper so that people can come and taste and see that the Lord is good, that they will get on a team, one of the, million, the many, many teams here, that they'll get on those teams so that people can come find healing, help, and hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.